Chapter Twenty of From Tangier to Tripoli by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Walks about Tunis. Take a seat upon one of the magic carpets of the Arabian Nights and fly across the Atlantic Ocean and over the Mediterranean to the shores of North Africa. Direct your genie to set you down beside me on the top of the Kasbah or Citadel in the snow-white city of tunis and let us travel together through this one of the oldest populations of the oriental world before we start cast your eyes over the expanse of buildings below you you are high above the city which stretches out in every direction looking like a collection of great blocks of ice with here and there the white dome of the shrine of a marabou or mohammedan saint or the square marble-faced towers of a mosque rising above them that reddish brown section of buildings lying on the edge of the water is the french quarter and that wide gleaming avenue is the canal across lake tunis built to bring the ocean steamers right up to the town there are blue mountains on our right with white buildings upon them while away off to the left over the lake we see the snowy houses of sidi bon said and the cathedral of the white feathers which marks the site where old carthage once stood more than twenty centuries ago there was a mighty city but tunis above which we are standing was founded even before carthage throve until it was supplanted by its phoenician rival and then lived on to see carthage crumble to dust the tunis of today is rapidly growing and it is one of the most cosmopolitan towns of the world it contains with its suburbs in the neighborhood of two hundred thousand souls it has something like forty four thousand italians twenty six thousand jews far different in costume and appearance from the israelites of our country and thousands of maltese sicilians and spaniards its french are somewhat fewer than the italians but they include a large garrison of soldiers dressed in gay uniforms who form striking figures wherever they go the most important part of the tunisian population however is the mohammedan element this numbers at least seventy thousand and its members form the chief inhabitants of old tunis the great snowy town under our feet they are orientals of the orientals and live in a world of their own they do not like christians and tolerate us only because they must their town is shut off from the rest of the city by an enormous wall and under french rule they are allowed to have their own customs and do about as they please a person dares not enter any one of the hundred odd mosques where they go daily for prayers he must not visit their schools while he who would attempt to go into one of their houses without permission might be killed and if he were i doubt whether the french would object i have visited most of the great cities of the oriental world i have traveled through india turkey and egypt and i have yet to find a section so strictly eastern as the streets of old tunis they are narrow and winding in some of them the fat tunisian jewesses have to suck in their breath in order to squeeze through the white houses which wall these streets are almost windowless and the few windows there are perched so high above the street that a field glass would not enable one to look in they are covered with meshes so small that a lead pencil would not go through them the doors are kept closed and outside the business section there are only blank white walls on both sides many of the houses are built over the streets 
so that one goes through vaulted passages from one part of the town to the other let us step down into the city and see for ourselves we shall spend most of the time in the bazaars which are stranger than those of constantinople or cairo and of greater extent than those of damascus or fez there is an entrance near the kasbah and a three minutes walk will take us out of the sun and into a mammoth cave far stranger than that of kentucky this tunisian cave is composed of a labyrinth of covered passageways lined with stores and filled with arabs buying and selling we shall meet all the characters of eastern tradition and see them doing business in the same way as for centuries past the streets of the bazaars are roofed so that they look like mighty vaults extending on and on until the eye is lost in following them the roofs are of stone coated with whitewash these are lighted only by graded holes cut here and there but the sun is so bright that there is plenty of light and under its rays the white ceiling itself shines like the stalactites of the cave of luray some of the passageways are roofed with boards they remind one of the old covered bridges of venice or florence which had shops upon them save that the tunisian bazaars extend for long distances and their shops are like nothing to be found outside the orient in addition there are smaller bazaars running off in every direction until the whole is a sort of rosamond's bower for business in which we lose ourselves again and again in trying to find a way out let us examine the construction of the bazaars pillars and stones taken from the remains of old carthage have been used everywhere at the sides of each little shop are marble columns some of which have beautiful capitals there are hundreds yes even thousands of these columns to be seen and sad to relate the arabs have painted the snowy marble with stripes of yellow red green and black similar columns are to be found in the residential quarters for a large part of mohammedan tunis has been built from the nearby ruins of the old punic city in the bazaars each trade has its own quarter there are long streets filled with cells where the arabs make nothing but shoes and others in which the shops are devoted to weavers in some silk thread is sold and in others only perfumery or groceries there are also bazaars of coppersmiths booksellers and tailors the bazaar of the tailors is not far from the kasbah we push our way through the white gowned fezed turbaned mohammedan crowd and take a look at it we are in a covered street about twelve feet in width paved with stone blocks worn smooth by the bare feet and slippers of thousands it is walled with shops extending fifteen or twenty feet back on each side the average shop is not more than eight feet in width its floor is about two feet above the street and the tailors sit cross-legged upon it before tables eight inches high upon which they cut and sew they wear gowns or jackets and voluminous trousers with fezes or turbans upon their heads many of them work away with the goods on their knees and their bare feet and bare calves plainly seen at my right is a shop where they are sewing upon a burnous of the finest white wool for some arab gentleman and at my left is a man making a pair of elaborate trousers for some lady of wealth and fashion other tailors are working on gorgeous jackets and vests for both men and women they use silk and gold embroidered cloths indeed many of the garments are exceedingly costly as you may see by the richly clad customers who stand in the street outside 
and bargain for clothes at ten o'clock in the morning there is an auction of second-hand clothing in this taylor street when gray-bearded men go about holding fine garments high over their heads they sing out the prices and quality of the goods and beg the people to buy i found hundreds engaged in that way and the crowd was so great that i could hardly make my way through but let us go on to the souk of the perfumers the word souk is used as a term for the bazaars so when one asks to be shown the mohammedan business center he tells his guide to take him not to the bazaars but to the souks the moslems are fond of perfumery their great prophet once said that there were two things which especially delighted him one was the society of a beautiful woman and the other was sweet perfume the tunisians have some of the best scents of the world we can buy essence of jasmine of violet or of verbena that is worth its weight in gold and a quart flask of the attar of roses sold in the souk would cost a king's ransom some of these essences are so valuable that the merchant measures them out by squeezing them drop by drop from a bit of cotton which he takes from his ear as we enter this bazaar several arab boys come and try to induce us to purchase at certain shops for which they are touting we select one where sits a gray-bearded old abraham in costly raiment he is in a little pen surrounded by bottles and boxes with a great string of candles hanging from a pole over his head outside his shop there is a bench upon which we sit down and have a cup of coffee with him before he asks us to buy the coffee is as black as ink as sweet as molasses and almost as thick as chocolate it is made of the beans pulverized by pounding them in a mortar and is brought in hot from the coals after we have drunk he begins to show his perfumes he takes out a cork and touches it gently to the backs of our hands the next bottle is tried on the wrist and the next by pulling up our sleeves to the elbow and pressing the cork upon the forearm indeed he stamps us with so many brands that when we leave we are walking perfume shops ourselves and the scents are so pungent that they last for hours the arabs use perfumery not only on their clothes and in their baths but also in their food and drink they have an essence of orange flowers which is sold here with tea and other perfumes for various foods i have spent some time today among the shoemakers there is a long street devoted to their shops where there were hundreds of men and boys at work they were cutting out shoes of bright yellow and red leather and sewing them into shape the yellow shoes were for men and the red ones for women they were also making many shoes for children nearly all the footwear of the mohammedan world is made by hand and perhaps some day a bright american shoemaker will set up a factory here and supply the trade the tunisian cobbler's bench is not at all like that of the american these cobblers cut and pound upon a section of a tree like a butcher's block raised upon legs they do not use hammers but pound the leather with pieces of brass so molded that they can be easily held in the hand they are not unlike brass paperweights the leather work of tunis is famous and the shoes are sold everywhere though they are all hand sewed a good pair can be bought for seventy-five cents another street near that of the shoemakers is devoted to the saddlers others to jewelers and some to the sellers of cottons and of silks there are also bazaars filled with old and new carpets and many which have fine brasswork embroidery and furniture inlaid with mother-of-pearl 
all trading among these mohammedans is by bargaining there are no fixed prices and the merchant always asks more than they expect to receive i usually offer one half or one third and am surprised to find that the dealer often comes after me and gives me the goods just after he has refused the price i named this is especially so with the jews who have shops in the soups since they give a commission of five or ten per cent to the dragoman the first thing your guide does when you enter the bazaars is to lead you into one of these shops he pretends that he works in your interest but he is really a confederate of the shopkeeper getting a rake off from every sale he brings in the first day i visited old tunis i took along a maltese named gauchi to act as interpreter he warned me that i must expect the merchants to ask more than they would be satisfied to get and said that when i saw him draw his handkerchief across his lips i might know the price was too high the first jew shop we entered had some magnificent rugs for each of which the man asked about one hundred dollars but gauchi's handkerchief remained in his pocket in the next room i was shown tunisian silk dresses for which the man wanted twelve dollars apiece and still there was no sign from gauchi notwithstanding i found that i could have bought the rug for one-fifth of the price asked and i did buy a silk dress for a little over five dollars the souks fairly swarm with boys and men who beg you to come into the shops and look at the goods they will say they want you not to buy but only to see and will gesture to show what they mean they point to their eyes and catch you by the hand trying to drag you in i have learned the words for go away and get out in arabic and i now repeat them in that language and in french german and english whenever one of these pests becomes over persistent many of these bazaars are run by corporations and there is a great semi-religious trust company that owns and rents out a large number of the shops this is called the habus i think the bay of tunisia is connected with it and also some of the leading sheiks this institution has been in existence for a long time and its funds amount to many millions it has had considerable sums dedicated to it with the understanding that they are to be used for certain religious or charitable purposes one rich mohammedan for instance left his money to the habus in order that it might supply free drinking water to a certain locality though this was many years ago the water still flows men sometimes leave fortunes to this trust with instructions that it is to handle them in the interest of their wives and children and in short it does much of the same sort of business as do our american trust companies the habus owns buildings all over tunis as well as extensive tracts of land outside the city it possesses so much property that the french authorities are afraid of it and they would like to have a safety valve created that would prevent its money from being turned to improper uses the company's officers pretend that they desire nothing so much as an investigation but when the french make their inquiries they learn nothing there is always the fear that some mohammedan fanatic may declare a holy war in which event the habus might become dangerous by furnishing a war chest for the arabs during my wanderings through tunis i have seen many of the shops owned by this corporation and to-day i went into the building containing its offices it is within a stone's throw of the bazaars on the rue d'eglise in the very heart of the old city it consists of many large rooms surrounding a court walled with marble and has so many clerks that it looks like a government department in striking contrast with the arab parts of this city 
is the section in which the french have their residences and chief business houses this is outside the walls of old tunis extending from them down to the harbor less than a generation ago the ground there was a swamp and considered fit for nothing it now contains the finest buildings in tunis and is worth hundreds of dollars per front foot there are large hotels banks and stores upon it it has wide and well-paved streets and were it not for the arabs jews and veiled women in the crowds which parade it you might think it a part of paris lyon or marseilles french tunis is growing rapidly it stretches out far into the country one of its best avenues reaching to the belvedere or municipal park this is lined with fine houses and there are other good residential streets the main business thoroughfares of the french city are the avenue de france and the avenue jules ferry formerly called the avenue de la marine they contain the chief banks shops and cafes and also the casino and the principal hotels french tunis prides itself on being an up-to-date town it has electric lights and trolley lines which now go all around the old city and reach to some parts of its interior as well it has several large banks two or three department stores and a great many restaurants and cafes the casino is devoted to vaudeville shows with a gambling department and during the winter it becomes a little monte carlo patronized by both native and tourist this establishment has seats for something like two thousand spectators its audience room consists of a pit and boxes and the people can have coffee beer or wine served while the actors are playing at the right of the audience room is a large parlor in which several roulette tables are kept going both during and between the acts while on the left there are rooms for private gambling and public places for rouge et noir when i visited the gambling rooms during the intermissions last night i saw crowds about the tables the stakes at roulette were from a franc upward and the tables were well covered with silver the rouge et noir rooms were deserted but i understand they are well patronized in the winter when many tourists are here tunis has also a summer theater at the belvedere park and the military bands give frequent concerts in the public squares the most interesting theatrical presentations in this part of the world are plays with phoenician characters and scenes acted in a ruined theater excavated on the site of old carthage several dramas have been written by french playwrights especially for tunis to be acted in the open air in the same surroundings and upon the same site where the plays of carthage were presented when it was the capital of africa and a rival of imperial rome the heroine of one of these plays takes the part of a beautiful woman whose statue was found in the ruins and is now in the museum of carthage End of chapter twenty